Hello and welcome to the first edition of the Cogcast Extra Time. I'm uh, Paul Connolly, joined by uh, Liam Ryder. How you doing, Paul? Yeah, not too bad, Liam. Uh, Mike Thompson. Hi, good evening, Paul. Nice to see you. And producer Lee West. All right, how are we doing? Not too bad. Just a, a bit of an introduction onto what we're doing here. Obviously, we're going to keep the normal Cogcast going with Liam himself. Um, so the usual interviews will be going out, but we just thought we'd get together on a weekly basis as a sort of a supporters, a pundit sort of kind of thing and uh, just it's stew over a few different things. Bringing back the spirit of the old school Whitby Town Radio before we had to become professional because we were on a DAB radio station. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely right. So yeah, we'll uh, dive straight into uh, to the first one, which is the 2-1 win over Marine on Saturday. Um, Producer Lee, your thoughts on that? It was a much, much better game of football um, than we played the week before. Um, who did we play the week before? Workington. Workington, when we lost 1-0. Well, there was, I mean, there were two things that came out of that game for me. It was one, that Workington do not deserve to be where they were in the league. They, they played so much better than we did, but also we played dreadful, which, did, which really didn't help, which gave them uh, every opportunity that, uh, that we could do. And it, like, yeah, like I said, it, just, it felt like we'd forgotten how to play football. We'd come out from the dressing room just before kickoff, and just completely forgotten what it was that we were supposed to be doing, and they walked all over us. But Marine, we were a completely different team. Uh, the the lads came out and they battled for every ball. They played for every ball. Um, it was it genuinely felt like a completely. It's we've had many occasions where Whitby have played dreadful for a few weeks on the bounce and then had one good game, and we think this is the turning point. But I think we've reached the turning point now where we're actually outweighing bad performances with good performances. And this was one of those, uh, I don't, not that I want to quote Partridge or anything, but we definitely bounced back. Um, and needless to say, we had the last yeah. laugh because we won 2-1. Um, but yeah, it, it felt like a completely different performance. Midfield were so much more effective than they were uh, in the week before. And I don't know whether it was to do with the changing lineup um, or something Chris had said, but yeah, it felt like a completely different Whitby team from, from the outset. Yeah, and a, well, good performance overall and... As mentioned, you know, Whitby, I think they were uh, unfortunate to go behind in that game. Just uh, corner balls when it comes out to the edge of the box. Some of their strike managed to get a shot in through a load of bodies. But I think more than anything, it's good character to respond. You know, going behind literally two minutes later, you level, winning that free kick in a dangerous area. And it was a great strike from Dale right to the top corner. And then, of course, the winner as well. Another great goal from Adam Gell. Just getting into the box, turning then on his weak left foot as well, getting into that top corner. And... um I think it was a fully deserved three points for Whitby. Yeah, and from my point of view, the most pleasing thing is, like Liam's just said, the goal scorers. Um, you've got Dale and Adam both chipping in there. And if we're going to go on to the next level, which we're all hopeful we can do, and we're seeing the signs of that, it's going to be important that the midfielders chip in with the goals because Brad's made a great start um, and you've got Matty who's working really hard up there. But it's important that the midfielders back back the forwards and we start scoring goals as a team because that gives us the best platform to go on and win football matches really yeah absolutely I mean it was certainly very pleasing for me um, watching that Marine game I think you know everyone in the team did their jobs well the uh, the wing backs were, were looking to operate with wing backs I think they need to get forward a little bit more I know Jasm Shuka in particular if he's playing there he didn't seem to get over the halfway line as often as I would like him to um, Connor Smith certainly did looking to attack but again he needs to be playing those balls into the penalty area a little bit quicker, uh, basically so the strikers aren't making runs and then having to come back and ending up in offside positions. Um, but other than that, I thought across the team, the defence is excellent. You've got sort of everything that you need in that defence, in my opinion. You've got pace, you've got power, you've got players that can read the game. And to be honest, what you've got now is a very is sort of a maturing defence. Kieran Willedge has matured a hell of a lot over the course mm. of this season. Yeah, I'd completely agree with you on that. Absolutely. I think Alex White's been... An absolute, well, he's been a mainstay, he's been a rock at the heart of the defence and Dan Rose come in and I think he's been excellent and I was sort of having the conversation the other night about Dan Rose, Toby Lees which one would you prefer having it's a tough choice, I'd, I'll throw it open to everyone here but um, I mean I made the point of I think Dan's come in and maybe he's more, made a little bit more impact than Toby did Yeah I would, I would go along with that um, Dan has just dropped into the team and this is not meant to sound like any disrespect to him, but it it, sound, it it feels like he's a better player that's dropped down a couple of leagues and has dropped into our squad, and he's so good. And 
<laughs> my brain knows what it wants to say, but my mouth can't form the words into a coherent sentence. But yeah, it, it genuinely feels like he's 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 a better player than he than should be at this club, if that makes sense. With, without you know, again cussing, you know, anything, saying anything bad against it, but he's just we've had defenders that have come in from various different leagues, from either up or below, and just haven't found their feet or haven't really discovered what we are about as a club. And the defence is always one of those things that when a new person comes in, you genuinely want them to just fit yeah. in straight away because, and, not, and again, no disrespect to attack on midfield, but defence is the thing. Yeah. You know, you, you can't win anything without a good defence. You, you know, it doesn't matter how many goals you score if you can't stop the opposition from scoring one more than you do. And he has been absolutely superb. Yeah. Um, Toby again it was has been great as well and I mean, aside from the fact that uh, all I can picture in my head now is that adorable picture of that puppy that you said <laughs> <laughs> Toby leaves the Cocker Spaniel or whatever it was but uh, yeah it's uh, to be honest personally for me based on the performances I've seen between the two of them so far I'd have Dan Rowe straight in without, hands down without a shadow of a doubt I think what I would say on that one just going on to the Lee's side of view is that when Toby come in the football club were on a little bit of a sticky patch and he come in, shored us up yeah. and we looked stronger from that. Um, I mean, it, it is a lot down to Dan as well, but he's coming in a team that's a little bit full of confidence. Uh, we had the sticky performance against Workington, as you mentioned, Lee. But over the last month, six weeks, the team have put some good performances together. So it's kind of helped him bed in in that we've been doing really well. Whereas Toby came in and he really got stuck in and that helped us going forward. So... Personally, I'd like to see them both at the football club. Um, obviously, finances always dictate where you can go. But if there was an opportunity to have them both in there with Alex and with Kieran... Um, <laughs> I'm just picturing six at the back. Yeah. Four, yeah. four across the back, two yeah. wing-backs, one midfielder and one striker. Yeah. Like, like the George Graham Leeds yeah, side, exactly. wouldn't yeah. we'll, we'll just stick nine at back and leave Brad up yeah. front on his own. Say, go on, Brad, you score at goals, on, and then runs. everybody else can that's, defend. That's basically, what, again, what George Graham did to Brian Dean at yeah, Leeds. Pretty just much, yeah. Nine defenders and then just Brian Dean, do what you want, sort of thing. That's... Uh, just uh, draw every game nil-nil and hope for the odd one-nil and you know, score 30 <laughs> goals a season. Um, but yeah, obviously the argument there as well uh, oh, that you mentioned, me. I think they are both very good players. Uh, what I will say is Toby's maybe been more used to playing that sort of free-flowing style of football, whereas Dan's come in and if we have had to mix it up, he's been able to because he's played at this level. Toby hasn't quite operated at this level yet. But again, that's you know it's all an experience for him and he's gone into, I think it's Ashton now, in the league above, and I think he's doing well, so nice. I mean, good on him. Yeah, yeah I didn't realise he'd gone up a lot, yeah. so that's, yeah, that's good news for him. Yeah, yeah I think um, from my point of view, I mean, I didn't really see much of Toby play with me not being around at the club at the time when he, I literally think I only saw him play just around Christmas and obviously the Middlesbrough game when that, well, that controversial goal went in where, you know, he was off injured. That was the last time I saw him feature, and obviously the nose was a bit of a blow, him being recalled by Harrogate just before the Scarborough game, but mm. in that example, AC. You know, obviously, he hasn't got the legs anymore to play regularly, but when you've got someone like Lee Bullock who filled in and did a good job in that game, that's fine. But obviously now we've got Dan Rowan who, you know, he's younger and he can play on a more regular basis. And I think I've been impressed with him so far. And he always looks to try and get the ball forward as well, which is what you want to see. You know, you like to see a ball play in the centre-half as well. Hmm. I mean, another discussion, again, on the defence is the, uh, the argument of whether you play a two or three at the back. Um but who your wing-backs are, and I think we've discussed this the other night anyway, um, who your wing-backs are or who your full-backs are, essentially. So looking at, say, three at the minute, we, I mean, on Saturday we operated again, we mentioned Jassim as the left uh, wing-back and Connor as the right wing-back. In my opinion, I think Connor as the right wing-back is the right choice. I would have Dan McWilliams as the left wing-back because he's better at getting forward, as is Connor compared to Kieran Wellegi. Mm. But say then you make that two in the uh, two in the defence, in the centre of the defence, I would have Kieran as a right back and uh, Jassim as a left back because they're both better defensively. I don't know what everyone else's opinions are on that. No, I would completely agree with that. I mean, uh, editing the, the highlights on uh, on Sunday morning from Saturday's game gone, um, there was a point where I, did, I saw uh, Jassim hurtling forward on numerous occasions to get towards the edge of the area. And uh, he just seemed to appear from nowhere on more than one occasion uh, he did come close to scoring at one point downward header that was just tipped over the bar um, 
But yeah, no, I, I think I would agree with you. He is, he's not quite as good as getting forward. I, I feel that sometimes that we do miss Callum Martin uh, because his turn of pace at getting forward, admittedly sometimes his crosses weren't all that great, but his turn of pace at getting forward was absolutely staggering. Um, there was a sentence again for me there, but my brain just completely <laughs> shut down. It's been a long way. I mean, the process yeah. of moving offices at work, and I'm so exhausted at the moment. <laughs> I think if they ever ask me to move office again, I'm just going to say no. Whatever's going on in this room can just function around me. I'm staying here. <laughs> well, as you know, Paul, I'm a real big fan of uh, jazz. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of McWilliams as well, but um, I really like the technical ability that jazz has got. Mm. He's actually competed in midfield quite ad- admirably a couple of times. <laughs> uh, the one thing that Chris does need to be aware of is when Jazz is on a booking you've got to be careful because yeah. he, he doesn't seem to think oh, I'm on a booking I'll not fly in this time and uh, I think he's had a couple yeah. of sending off since he's been at the well, club fun, hasn't he? Funnily enough the, uh, the sending off that he's had um, basically I think what Chris needs to be aware of is don't play him north of Whitby because both of them have come north of Whitby South Shields <laughs> and Whitley Bay so I think that's maybe more of the point of uh, yeah don't play him in the north <laughs> maybe he's got some sort of allergy to the Tyne Tunnel or something <laughs> it's paying the feet to get through that's yeah. what it is. but I think what is apparent as we've been talking is the defensive side of our squad there's competition all mm. over whether it's the right side where you've got Connor and you've got Kieran to play there um, the left hand side where we're talking about Jazz and Dan and then centrally we are very competitive in them positions and it could be next year that it sometimes may be about rotation yeah. and playing players in certain games where you think Bully might be more effective than say Rowe in a certain game and if we can move them round and work them into a cohesive unit there's no reason that's going to be the platform to go forward yeah, yeah. I mean, it's something we've not been able to say for a very long time at Whitby is that we've got options in almost every department yeah. now. You know, if somebody drops out, it's not a case of, you know, if somebody gets injured in defence, sticking somebody from midfield up front and then sticking a striker in defence because, you know, all they need to do is just stop the ball from going in the net. We've actually got, the, when a defender drops out, we've got at least two other to cover. When we a midfielder gets injured, we've got at least two other to cover. And we've actually got attacking options as well now, which is, again, we've not been able to say... For a, well, to be honest, I don't think we've been able to say as long as I've been coming here, and I think it's knocking on the door of ten years now. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I cut you off there, Liam. Yeah, I'm just gonna say that what Mike was saying about you know adapting it to different games. So perhaps next season you think, well, if we're playing a team that's up in the top end of the table, uh, you know, it's going to be puts a lot of pressure. Perhaps mm. you need to play your more you know the better defensive players. However, you know, if you've got team wealth that. You should be. This is Whitby, you know. So, uh, I think I'm a team down the bottom. You know, perhaps you maybe go and attack a bit more. Then, you know, maybe that's when you can play the likes of well, you're more attacking. You know, the wing back system, or more or less of that one. Yeah, I think what I will say to that is it's great saying it, but also in this level, you never know mm. what team's going to no. turn up at, at any given point. You know, we we could play bottom of the league. Who haven't won a game for 16 games, they could come here and tonk us 4 0. Because that's just the nature of the division. Yeah, it's, yeah, and that's just something Whitby would yeah, do exactly. every now and it's then. The nature so of Whitby it's Town, never mind the nature of the division. <laughs> so, I mean, there is always that. But, uh, yeah, we'll move, we'll move things on anyway. And we'll uh, talk about Tuesday night's game at Warrington. Uh, a 1 0 defeat, a narrow defeat, really, in the end. Um, it was one of those, I think, there was definitely spells in that game whereby Whitby more than matched Warrington. I think Whitby looked good at times, but. In the end, it was just a bit of quality in the final third that, on the night, we just didn't have, did they? Well, to be honest with you, I thought the first 25 minutes, we started really brightly. Um, You wouldn't have known we'd been stuck on a coach for as long as we had done, because we come out and really push forward. And, but for a a slip by Fuster, when he were in a, a positive position, we could have taken the lead. And I said to you after the game, Paul, as we were travelling back, I think second half, when they stepped it up, it was clear to see that they'd got something to play for. Now, subconsciously, you don't go onto the pitch thinking, um, oh, we've got nothing to play for, let's go through the motions. But sometimes in a game, when the going gets tough, they're really needing the points to win the division, or they feel like they've still got a chance. It kind of pushed them on, and we just, we just tried to stay in the game, really. And uh, walking around the ground, as you did, you could see a goal coming. Uh, in that second period, if there was going to be a winner, um, which it ultimately proved, I thought Warrington subjectively were the ones going to go on and do it, to be honest. I thought so, didn't you, Liam? Yeah, definitely. I think, obviously, you could see at the end that quality in the final third and, you know, they see where they're up the top end of the table and they defended well. Every time we put a ball in, it was just their two centre-halves just had it every single time winning the headers, which perhaps, you know, you could say, well, 
to Whitby change of play, but they did make it very difficult, whether it was a high ball in low ball, they were getting rid of it. But um, I think it was a spirited performance on Whitby, and I don't think there's any shame in going there and losing 1-0, really. That, they're the uh, blueprint to follow for me. Yeah. Um, Sal Shields have got the financial backing behind them and they've got some excellent footballers. Farsley have had a good side for a couple of years now. But Warrington, they're just functional. And if we could look at that blueprint, we've got some excellent footballers in Hobson, um, you've got Fuster in there. But if we can make sure we're solid, as we were talking about, at the back, and that's all Warrington's done. They've stopped conceding goals and then they know they're always in the game to get one. And if we can follow that into next season, that could be the way forward for us. Yeah, definitely. And I think the setup around there is very good. You know, they've they've got a very sort of solid base there. That they've built they've built well from the FA Cup run they had about three or four years ago. Obviously got themselves in the division, established themselves in the division as a well, to be fair, as a top seven side. As soon as they came into the division they were sort of pushing for it and robbers of a playoff place when they came here um, but you know they've, they've always been there or thereabouts since they've come up and I think they've done they've done very well and to be honest if, if anyone's deserving of it then I think they probably are because as you mentioned they are for me the model to follow I'd like to agree with you but I wasn't there and <laughs> I was asleep on the sofa didn't even listen Lee I, could, I didn't to be honest shocking, there's two shocking. nights on the bounce I've literally come in from work and woken up and it's been half past eight <laughs> where have the last four hours gone for, for the people that um, have not been to Warrington what I did find interesting about the ground behind one of the goals they've got a 4G five-a-side football pitch so as our game were going on there were a group of men playing in there that had no interest in Warrington yeah. or Whitby and their game looked as interesting as ours at the time. Yeah. I thought I was going to walk over there and cheer them on at some stage. I'm hoping there's some sort of divider between the two. You know, they could have just balls are just coming straight up. We did have a few uh, yeah. times when two balls were on the pitch at the same time. So uh, well, There were a couple honestly. of players on there. I thought, ah, Chris, take a look at these. We'll bring them on tonight. <laughs> Weird about uh, three games to commentate. We had the Warrington against Whitby and the five side in the three and there's some kids playing football behind the goal as well. So we had about three games. We could have Must have been a stunning game to watch. Then. Yeah, <laughs> a proper classic nil-nil. <laughs> it's got nil-nil written all over it, apart from the fact it was one-nil. Yeah. So yeah, we'll um, anyway we'll uh, wrap that one up there, but we'll move on to our next topic, and uh, this is probably our main point of discussion tonight. Uh, the question being, uh, if Jeff Miller was building a Frankenstein's monster of a player, which town players, past and present, would you harvest body parts from to make the perfect player? Very um, interesting question. Yeah, one that, I mean, I'd, I've <laughs> struggling to think about this as the weeks have gone on. As you know, I tend to forget what's happened at yes. every game, almost the instant I leave the ground, which is a terrible thing to say as a football fan. But the one thing that immediately did spring to mind was Tony Hackworth's legs. Yeah. <laughs> Admittedly, there was a point where I think his knee was a bit of a troublesome issue to him for quite a period of time, but I've never seen anybody be able to jump so high and win lumped forward balls almost as often <laughs> as him, apart from maybe Duncan Ferguson. So I'd start with Hackworth's legs yeah. purely for his jumping ability well, on, on a similar tack and it was mentioned on Twitter actually by Andy Raw um, Tony Hackworth's arse <laughs> <laughs> because I've never I've never known a player be able to hold four different players oh, off right. uh, with their arse I was just, just that this, alone yeah, I was wondering where this was going to be you know, is it some sort uh, of you know is it the shapeliest one in the changing <laughs> rooms or, but no it actually serves a purpose as a player no absolutely I just, I just think that uh, I think that that would just be the perfect thing for a centre forward. Say you've got a centre forward there, just holding players off, bit of strength there. Yeah. I mean, for, for legs, I'd probably go a left leg and a right leg choice. I would go probably Craig Viet's left leg, because he could ping a free kick in from anywhere with that, absolutely perfectly. Right leg, I can't look beyond Brad Fuster at the minute. Yeah, well, to be just honest, after Saturday's free kick, I probably would have gone with Dale's oh, right Dales, leg. Dale's, yeah, yeah. He'd be Hassan. He has a... Got to strike the right foot. One player that I always like, so I've been watching Whitby Town around about five years now, and um, as his time progressed, he, it didn't come to fruition really. But the first season I was here, and we had Mikey Roberts banging goals yeah. in. Yeah. That season, where I assume Paul Noy got 20 plus goals yes. into yeah, that first goals, season. Yeah. Everything that had come off his right foot that season seemed to go in. Yeah. He was just in the right place at the right time, and he put ball it back at net. Mm. Um, from then on, he did struggle, and he, he struggled to get a run yeah. in the team. But I haven't seen as good a goal scorer. I mean, Fuster's come in and looks the part now. But since I've been here, Mike has been the, the top goal scorer that yeah. I had seen. Yeah, I would agree with that entirely. I mean, you would assume with, what, uh, with how good his right foot was that he didn't actually ever need to use his hands to put anything away. Just drop it and boot it. It'd end up in a cupboard, you know, right where you wanted it. <laughs> <laughs> Just pinpoint, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, uh, so, yeah, I think, well, 
Looking, looking through the rest of it then. If we're if we're going with Viet's, are we going with Viet's left foot? Any, yeah, any, let's uh, go. Yeah, we'll stick with that. I don't any, think we've got any, any advance on, on that. Anyone else's left foot? No. Don't think so. Don't think we've got any left foot. Right, so that's, <laughs> that's a good start. Then so we've got Tony Hackworth's ass. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Craig Viet's left leg. Uh, right leg. Are we saying Brad? Are we saying Mikey? Are we? No. I I would like to go with Mikey for now yeah. because Brad's come in and done a great. Great job so far, yeah. but it's early on. Yeah, very much that, so. That season, Mikey really got us in that position that we did, um, which were amazing because the season where he scored all the goals were the season that we'd struggled. Yeah. Mm. And then the season after, when we were the playoff contenders and we yeah. missed out right at the end, won the North Riding Cup. That was when we needed them 20. Can we just yeah. carry them over from last season? Because it was really good back then. We would, we would have won promotion, <laughs> I would have done, yeah. Been cracking. Uh, sometimes it works like that, doesn't it? Um, um, he would always as well, which I think uh, if Dale listened to this one, he can turn it off for two seconds, <laughs> uh, where Dale struggles with penalties. Yes. Uh, Mikey used to put them away, didn't he? Yeah, I don't think, he'd, I, I don't think he missed one. Mm. Maybe one tops. So did so. Craig V, actually, funnily enough. He yeah. always scored penalties. Fantastic player. <laughs> one of my, uh, my favourite all-time Whitby players there. So, yeah, we'll move up the body then. So, we've got the, uh, the two legs in the arse. Uh, <laughs> we were on about Richard Pell, weren't we? So... Do we sort of extend the legs of Craig Veert and Mikey Roberts and sort of make them a bit longer so they're sort of Pelliet? Well, Pelliest? we'll make it Pelly's height. Yeah, or Pelly's head. Yeah. You know, Pelly's scored with his head all the time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I say, when I first started watching and he were at centre-half, um, I was talking to Paul and Liam before we started. Sometimes when you're in the stand, all the players look very similar because you're at a distance from them. But as soon as you saw Pell, you, you just couldn't not be awestruck yeah. by his size. Yeah. He was just so tall. Um, How far away am I? <laughs> yeah, it felt like that. And, and the thing was as well, he could run. You yeah. often find people that are extremely tall, don't you? Struggle to move the legs and get around the pitch. Yeah. But he, he could actually run as well. And It's because his stride was about 40 foot longer than everybody else. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> just sort of galloped, didn't he? Like yeah. a gazelle. Just yeah. sort of... Uh, he was everywhere. graceful, I'll give him that. He was very <laughs> graceful. So which, which body part then are we going for, Pelly? Well, I mean, he, like you said, Mike, earlier on, he's talking an awful lot of headed goals. You mm. wonder, you know, they talk about being able to direct anything. I just wonder whether his, his forehead was just perfectly flat so that he just bounced in the right direction of wherever he was looking for that ball to go in. So do we want, do we want to include, include his height? It's going to be an advantage, isn't it? I to think this, so, yeah. yeah. For Frankenstein's monster, you do need yeah. a bit of height, yeah. really. So. so so we are extending the legs, then? Yeah, yes. we can do that. So we'll chat about who, who's the head, then? Who's going to be the head? Is it head in the terms of footballing knowledge and yeah, ability? Well, a bit of both. We'll go with heading ability and then mm. uh, well, footballing knowledge as well. Well, and not so much heading ability, but for having a head like a rock, I would say Alex White. Yeah, yes, Alex White. Uh, he's, uh, <laughs> he's taken uh, point blank shots to the face and then got up 30 he's seconds He's been in the later. wars this season, hasn't he? He's had a few lately. Yeah, I mean, crying out loud on Saturday, he took a hell of a pasting. And, you know, what did he say to us in, after match interview? He said, I got up, shook it off. I've had a couple of tablets and I'll be fine in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> if that had been me, they'd been picking my teeth out of the pitch. <laughs> So yeah, I think heading a football then, Alex White just, I would just say gets so, in the yeah. way of anything. Football in brain then. That's to me, that's got to be, well, it, it depends whether the eyes are also connected to the brain as well, because yeah, that, that well, for me has yeah. is, is got to be Dale. I, yeah. I genuinely have not witnessed anybody at this club whose ability to be able to see something from half a mile away and know what everybody else is going to do in that instant and then play a ball from one side of the pitch to the other directly to that player's feet. The, the man is just a, he's a genius I think what you really saw with Dale um, two seasons previous when he had that golden patch as well is, is a bit of a wanderer on a football pitch mm. and he just gets in positions where you think how have you actually ended up there and the ball drops to him yeah. and then he's got the ability to put it away yeah. so the the pictures that he gets in his mind uh, are two steps ahead of everybody else and five steps ahead of us on the actual touchline. Yeah. <laughs> We're thinking, oh, what's he doing? Where is he? And he's just meandered into a position. Yeah. So he's, he's got to be up there from anybody that I've seen at Whitby Town. There's, there's two things in that, in that it's the classic 
role for me when I used to be bothered with Championship Manager in its last great season of 1997-98. You'd pick your best player and just mark them as free role. You just think, I know how good a footballer you are. You know how good a footballer you are. Just go out there and play football. You've got no instructions. Just wander around and do what you want. And uh, the, what was the other thing? There was something else there in my brain. <laughs> as we go to a patch of silence, that'll get edited out. No, it's gone. Nope, it's gone. Completely, completely gone. Completely, completely gone. gone. It might come back to me in a minute. Yeah. So I, th- I think you've got to go for yeah. football and ability in the mind. I think Dale. Yeah. Definitely yeah, the one. Got to be. I think the only other shout I would probably put in for for listeners that uh, will know him is uh, Anthony Ormerod, because I think he was a fantastic player, former Middlesbrough sort of winger. I think his vision was excellent. He was fantastic. Ironically, I only know him as a teacher. Do you really? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Right, well. yeah, he lives up there. Oh, I used to live up the road from me in yeah. uh, in Broughton and uh, was teaching at one of the primary schools, I believe, that uh, I used to uh, work in and around mm. as uh, in one of my previous lives. Yeah, yeah so that's uh, that's one of the shouts I'll put in is Anthony Ormerod. Uh, but again, we're talking around a table where I'm probably the only one that's watched him play. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> To be honest, I think I've only come across him with uh, Steve Holiday's stats, I think, yes, for the programme. Yeah. I think that's the only I've seen him mentioned, to be honest. Yeah, fantastic player, Anthony Ormerod. Right then, uh, what else do we need? We, need the, we just need the main body, don't we? Yeah, torso. Yeah. Torso, yeah. so, so a lot to do with strength, really, this. I mean, we, we could go Leon Scott, but he'd end up looking like a chopper chup. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, then Alex White again could yeah, be in that category. I think Ibi Asano, his, his mm. core was always made of granite. Uh I know my vote would go for Stephen Snaith. Yeah, he, he would always yeah. physical, put himself into a tackle, often yeah. uh, too much into the tackle. Yeah, yes. Yes. There yeah. was the a tiny co- terror. Yeah, <laughs> um, he must have picked up quite a few fines while he was at the football club. I would imagine for red cards, but but them <laughs> games where we needed him, he did put yeah. himself in and he really stood up to the battle. So I was always impressed by his physical abilities. It's fair to say, if the eighteen twenty six club. 1926 club was dangerously close. If that had have existed when Snaith was here, we probably just would have been using it to pay his fines. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually not a bad shout, that. Well, well it, it, it is. It does <laughs> say if he ever comes back, we'll just set up a just give him for Stephen Snaith's red card. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, his players' fund didn't, you know, didn't yeah, specify yeah. what we for. We need to play, let's play his fines off. Crowd fund at start of the season for Snaith's red card yeah, before yeah, we've exactly, even kicked the yeah. ball. <laughs> you've got to work it out, I mean, so you've got to think, he's averages 10 games suspended at Whitby I think it was two seasons on the bounce he missed 10 games through suspension I think which is, uh, one of the problems was the red cards <coughs> they often came in games that had already gone yeah. I remember going to Shaw Lane one year in an FA Trophy game was it mm. um, we were 2-3-0 we were down at the time uh, and he's flying into tackles yeah. when you just think don't let your frustration get the better of you yeah if, if it's a red card when it's a, a nil-nil crunching tackle and you're trying to impose yourself on the game mm. you can kind of see where he's come from but a lot of them were just yeah. red mist had come on yeah. and, it's and like that, that short lane game you know three nil down you're not going to get anything from it so don't rule yourself out for the next few games afterwards it's yeah. not I still maintain in that game we scored a perfectly good goal at nil-nil <laughs> uh, and we would have been winning one nil and it's a different match it was Timon, yeah. wasn't it Timon's header yeah I yeah. remember that but then again, referees in this league. But that's a discussion for another podcast. Can, can we not go back and put an appeal into the FA because they're no longer a cup club? We should be reinstated back yeah. into the 2016 yeah. FA Just give trophy. us your PayPal address, lads, and we'll get yeah. that sorted. <laughs> so we're going to then for the torso. I, think I would say yeah. so, yeah. There we go. We might as well just stick hair in there as well, haven't we? Ooh. I That's think Cameron, Cameron Wilson's got a lovely oh, mane, yeah, hasn't he? Yeah, he did, yeah. Cal Patton, I don't Cal think he comes yeah, into there, does he? Oh, no, Cal, Cal Patton can stay out of this one. Uh, we'll, <laughs> keep his, we'll keep his tight perm out of this one. I was often yeah. caught by the way um, it also fell into his kit, not just his hair. Kyle Fryatt mm. could step off the pitch after 90 minutes mm. with not a hair out of place yeah. and not a bit of mud on his kit. Yeah. Yeah. Not that it didn't work, it's just somehow we just remained immaculate. Yeah off and on the pitch I don't know how it really happened it's like his haircut was a, a stick on Lego hair yeah <laughs> <laughs> excuse me well that's what all the young'uns uh, I know you're young and Liam but around this table we're generally not yeah. so. <laughs> see that's a good shout actually Kyle Fry it, yeah. it's sort of those Geordie boys isn't it That uh, yeah it's, it's knowing yeah. that uh, within 35 minutes of stepping off the pitch yeah. you can be out down the town without your exactly, coat on so yeah. <laughs> I mean we're quite lucky in the fact that we don't have any Whitby born players in the squad um, for haircuts because I don't think our town is known as a stylish no, capital no. of the no. north is it king Not of the fisherman's haircut <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll leave that to the players that we're bringing from further afield yeah. 
So what are we going with then? Uh, Wilson or Fryer? I'm a Fryer man. Yeah, I'll go with Fryer yeah, as well. Fryatt. I think um, definitely. Dom Furness have a decent head, didn't he? I think when he was here. I can't remember to be honest. I just remember this sort of blonde shock of shock of mm. hair, and that was about it, wasn't it? I think. He'd yeah, he only contributed to probably yeah. five or six games, didn't he? Yeah. And we were talking before me and Liam that um, we actually were quite impressed with him at the time, but obviously it was it wasn't uh, meant well, it was that be. Matlock game we were on about when him, well, him and Josh nearly both had really good games, and then a few weeks after they were gone from the club. Banished. So it's a strange one there. <laughs> so we'll Sen- go with Fryat's hair. Sent at wall. <laughs> I suppose we best stick some arms on them as well in case they have yeah, a going goal. Oh. So that's Blandy. Uh, yeah. That's a good shout. Yeah. I think yeah. Blandy has to be in there, doesn't it? Blandy's arms, yeah. Yeah, so Blandy's arms. We've always oh, got... Although, a shout here for David Campbell. Yeah, of course, yeah. 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 David Campbell, he had, uh, yeah. What was it, 15 some odd years he played for us with a, a slight break in between? Yes. Yeah, yeah so he, you can't not go for that. I mean, he wasn't exactly ever going to win the hair shout, was he? No, that's so very uh, true. Maybe in the <laughs> early days, but not so much in the latter days. <laughs> we always have a do a lot of players to choose from, don't we? Because over the last five years, I think we must have brought in around about 100 <laughs> footballers. Yeah. Every season, hasn't it? Apart from this season, yeah. really. We, we were going through 25 well, I remember. Players. I remember the, uh, the season Darren Williams left the club and um, we were just signing random players every mm. single week. It was... I think it was, we had Bruno Pilatos at one point. Oh, God, just yeah. There's turned a up for a week. And yeah. then <laughs> it's genuinely felt like, because I know the, the, the players all get together at, uh, at stables before a game for a pre-match meal and everything, but it genuinely felt that sometimes when in that last season, they all got on a bus and somewhere between the stables and the ground, they just opened the door and said, fancy a game, lads? Hop on, come on. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> we'll saw hitchhikers coming yeah, down exactly. from Middlesbrough. It was, yeah. uh, There's a blue shirt yeah. and some money in a brown envelope <laughs> at the end of the game for you. <laughs> well, actually, one for the hairstyles, because um, my first season when I was here, Darren Williams was the manager, uh, and I actually thought he's... Uh, girlfriend at the time now wife was part of the plane staff uh, because uh, when he'd done his team talk he used to come back into the clubhouse and sit with her yeah. I, did, I did wonder where you were going with that <laughs> so she's, she certainly got my vote as the best looking in the team anyway <laughs> Damn, mate. I will apologise to Kelly and Darren if they are listening <laughs> there me. was no malice in that I promise <laughs> So right then, so let's let's have a look at this head down. So the hair, Kyle Fryer. Yep. That's a good shout, isn't it? Then the head of Alex White. Yeah. And the footballing brain of Dale Hobson. Going and the, the vision. And the vision. And the vision, of course. Certainly not the vision of you. Lee. Yeah, no, nobody uh, wants no. my vision. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Um, and then the torso of Stephen Snaith. Yeah. The arms of uh, Dave Campbell. Yep. Um, the arse of Tony Hackworth and then the uh, left leg of Craig Veard and the right leg of Mikey Roberts yeah I would agree with that entirely there's only one extra category that sort of dawned on me as I was driving over here and that's attitude and there's only one attitude that I think deserves and then the player's name is going to completely escape me but it was I want to say it was Goldswin Games who, Jamie Clark Jamie Clark Five minutes after the final whistle had gone, you'd find him outside having a tab. You just yeah. think, yeah, that's the, that's the attitude you want of a football. <laughs> Come on, put your shift in, score yeah. some goals, off outside, quick swift one, and then off to the pub. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. he was about 40 at the time as well. He was just, just banging goals in still. It was incredible to watch. No, I think Jamie Clark's a good shout for that. I do remember him... Um, I think he pretty much floored a centre-half once and the centre-half got uh, sent off. Yes, yeah, I remember <laughs> that, yeah. Because even Colin yeah. and I were scratching our heads in yeah. there. You know, how you get away with it? It was like I watched a, a, a brief clip of something today that was, uh, what was it labelled? Uh, pen- the penalties that never were. And it was Michael Jubry flying... Jürgen Klinsmann with a with a knee to the gro- basically it went for a tackle flung a knee into Jürgen Klinsmann's groin who went down in the penalty area it was a stonewall penalty the referee waved it off and said it was a corner you probably <laughs> thought Klinsmann were diving yeah <laughs> So what we need to do uh, also further on from this is uh, producer Lee or Paul was very good with our computer systems. Are you going to mock up this, <laughs> yeah. this Frankenstein and take I, the I limbs off anybody? I can certainly give it a go. I will leave the photoshopping on that one to you. Photoshop's <laughs> not my fault here. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll certainly give it a go and see how it comes out. We've got Be prepared to, to have a fag in his hand now, though, <laughs> isn't it? It's, uh, it's going to have Jamie Clark's fag in her hand. And, uh, and we did well, forget, we forgot to mention about the legs that they are going to be uh, extended to Richard Pell. Yes, of course. Yeah, it's um, the, the overall the frame is yes, Pell. Yeah. It's going to be built of these other bits. Yes. Yeah. 
So I think I think Jeff Miller's got to do a good job with that, wouldn't he? I when think he starts, so, yeah. When he starts yeah. harvesting organs to uh, yeah, well, let's let's pre- ask, uh, just present to this to him. Which, which, I mean, which, yeah. yeah, we'll we'll see what he thinks of this one. But uh, <laughs> I mean, obviously, if he is harvesting organs, then can he lend Luke Bythewaite another knee? Yeah, you know, that would be really uh, useful. That's the other question. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we'll have we to ask Tracker nicely if he'll debt all down the uh, changing rooms for uh, yes, when yeah, we start putting this together because I can't see anywhere else of here. There's a lovely soft table in there that you'd be able to you know make a start with. So yeah, we've, we've got this sorted and we will try and Photoshop it. It could look horrendous. But then again, it's Frankenstein's monster, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so. it's true. You say could. You say could. Will, I think, yes, is the word yeah. I'm looking for. Absolutely, yeah. So, it, I mean, it's got Alex White's head and then, yeah, it's... But we do have a good hairstyle, so if we're off out in Newcastle after, <laughs> yeah. they still might have a chance of meeting a young lady. Yeah, That's well, I'm, very true. I'm, I'm looking forward to see what Alex White looks like with uh, Kyle Fryer's yeah. hair on. I think <laughs> Alex White would uh, enjoy having Kyle Fryer's hair that, as well. That should be the cover yeah. of the next fanzine, or at least even some yes. sort of... That's our programme for the next season, that one. That's <laughs> <laughs> not sorted. And just Jeff Miller in the background with the handsaw and... Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, White coat covered in blood. Oh, God. I think that needs to be a photo shoot at the start of next season, doesn't it? Oh dear. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll move on to what our our last topic is, and uh, we're just sort of looking back through the archives a little bit of Whitby Town Radio, and uh, it's two years today as we record it. We're recording this on Thursday uh, since Dale Hobson managed to go see a child with myself. So uh, he then promptly left for a year and a bit. <laughs> so yeah, I mean you can hear the audio right now. Has the goalkeeper done his homework on well, penalties as well? Well, this is the thing. I'm absolutely bricking this here. The whistle goes. Hobson steps up. Scores! Dale Hobson scores! 1-0 to Whitby in the dying seconds! And this is Whitby into the top five! Get in there, Dale! The drama never ceases for Whitby Town! You're getting a few Here we go! There, but we don't give a damn. Here we go! <laughs> Dale Hobson, you beauty! 28th of the season! Player of the season! In the Evil Sick Premier Division! As voted for by the supporters! And that is why! And that is crucial! Dale Hobson, you beautiful man! <laughs> Honestly, you can have my children! I do not care! <laughs> if I had a girlfriend, you could have her! You could have my house! Have everything! Have my possessions! <laughs> Because I love you, Dale Hobson. So, I mean, uh, yeah, we, we three were there. Uh, myself, Mike, and uh, Liam for that one. Uh, I maybe did go... S- I've, did I go over the top? Probably not. No, I think I think it was the right emotion, the right moment, that one. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, many people that watch football feel these emotions, uh, and to score a last-minute winner is, is just perfect. It's, it's what you go and watch your team for. Um, but one thing that really got me when we were thinking back to two years ago is sometimes you follow your team around the country and you know you're going to win. You're watching the match and it's tight and it's close and it's going towards the end. But for some reason, illogically in your head, you think there's a goal coming here. And that was one of them games. You just felt like we were going to score. And no matter how long we played, we would have got one. Uh, And I remember at the time, I was stood behind the far net where the penalty went in with Stephen Holliday and a couple of other lads. And I just had a feeling to walk round the other side. I just thought, we're coming towards the end. And I stood round in front of their clubhouse. And as the ball got played over to Kieran, you could see him just galloping down the right-hand side. And you think, if he gets the ball first here, he's going to get cleaned out. And that's exactly what happened. And for me, there was no doubt in my mind, Dale were going to score that. I don't know what you thought, Liam, but he were going to put that away. Yeah, it was a bit nervy situation, you know, last minute of the game, is he going to crumble under the pressure, but then just calmly, well, walked up to it and uh, placed it. Yeah, and we were in a period at that time where we'd just gone to Nantwich and won, we'd gone to Corby and won, and it just seemed every time we got on the bus, everybody were full of confidence. Um, And Paul mentioned it earlier about Warrington stopping our promotion push here at the Turnbull ground, but away from home, we just looked like winning, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, and it was just a fantastic time to watch us. Certainly was, yeah. I think I mentioned, as you mentioned there, about uh, do we think you'd score it? And, and pretty much the first words of, out of my mouth in there, I'm absolutely bricking it because I was. Um, 
and then yeah, then went on to basically offering my worldly possessions and my imaginary girlfriend at the time. So and children, uh, yeah, <laughs> and children as well. Yeah, and as Lee says, he yeah. then left the club for yeah, uh, yeah. <clears throat> ran for, a while. for cover for a year just yeah. to let, it, let the situation die down. <laughs> just just <laughs> wait till next season. Yeah. Just wait till next season. It'll be ten times better. <laughs> I remember as soon as I got on the bus after that game, that was the first thing I got played yeah, out. Yeah, it as well. was. Yeah, it yeah. was. <laughs> but they've always been a funny side, Mikelova, uh, because generally in the last few years they've always been towards the bottom end. But they always seem to sign ex-football league players. And every time they go there, they've got a Pablo Mills or a Ryan Cresswell or a Clinton Morrison. And their team looks strong when you turn mm. up, but they never seem to put the performances in that the individuals have got. they're just in one of those places geographically, really, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, I mean, the team's always going to be strong if you've got Clinton Morrison there with his shotgun in the corner <laughs> of the dressing room. Yeah, exactly. Um, Pipe down, son. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot you, blood. <laughs> you know, which uh, was exact words to uh, Kev Burgess. Yes, yeah, I um, remember that. Yeah, if he ever goes to London, he'll shoot him, apparently. Yeah. I think uh, one other thing that really strikes me about that night in Michelover was how poor the floodlights were. I think they've had them change yeah, since we've been done, back yeah. again. But we could hardly see, could we? No. It got to that stage where they didn't have anybody to do the tannoy. So you yeah, yeah, pause the tannoy as well, and then, and then I ended up putting our commentary out through the tannoy yeah. as well, which well, really impressed the yeah, locals. Right. <laughs> to be fair, the microphone said off, but obviously the switch had flipped around and it's off very much on. akin to our microphone sometimes, isn't it? Well, yeah. <laughs> can somebody tell Colin we can still hear everything he's saying? <laughs> I think I think I remember one of those texts being tell Colin to turn that effing microphone off. <laughs> yeah, I remember that one vividly. Cole, Cole, yeah, so it's uh, always been an interesting place to visit Mikelova, definitely. Um, Don't take corners because you can't see. No, absolutely. I mean, I remember watching that uh, penalty back from Dale Hobson, that run from um, Kieran Waleji, and it just it felt like it was going in slow motion. You know one of those things that you get, and it's like a circle, and you spin it? It yes. felt like you were watching it on that. Like a fidget spinner. Yes, yeah. yeah. So I just felt like you were watching it go around <laughs> on that. It was unbelievably weird. But yeah, the floodlights were horrendous, and... I think uh, that night as well, um, previous chairman Mansa, I think he got a bit worried that we were going to actually yeah. win promotion. <laughs> <laughs> I think the club were thinking, uh oh, here we go. <laughs> Quick, get, get the sledgehammer. Yeah. Pin that, him down, pin him down. But I the turnaround from the previous season, yeah. and that's yeah. all down to Chardy. Oh, totally. Um, totally. We, he did excellent to keep us up, and then the. The season after, we spoke about nearly the playoffs and the North Riding Cup. Yeah. We were just a completely different side, yeah. weren't we? Totally, yeah. I, I, I feel we're getting back to that point yeah. now. I, I, I don't think we've had a bit of a lull, but things haven't been quite as good as they have been. But we're now starting to get, like, purely because we've got players in every position to be able to replace, the person who they're replacing is every bit as good as them. And... I'd, if it doesn't happen towards the end of this season, I reckon next season I think we're going to have a really good shout at at least, I want to say, at least, fingers crossed, hopefully the second round of every cup competition we're entered and hopefully another trip to the Riverside because that again was... That Great was night. Tonight, but again, that's, that, that's, that's talk for another time. But it's I, I feel as though we're getting back to that. Yeah. Saturday's 2-1 Saturday's win with Gelly's last minute, I'll say last minute, 80, 84th minute winner just goes to prove how... There's, I don't want to say there's a new ethos, but there seems to be something that's... I don't know whether Chardy has inspired them in some other way than he has done previously, but something just seems to have clicked and they've got they've got a battle on now. They know that they need to win second balls and we need to score goals to get further and further on in every game. And something, yeah, like just something just has clicked and just, yeah. it's just going to roll it in the next season, I hope. I think I think a big part of that is having more natural leaders in the side. Yeah. Yeah. Players like your Alex White, yeah. like... You know, your Leon Scotts, those yeah. sort of players are natural leaders. And if if games aren't going well, they will grab players by the scruff yeah. of the neck and say, it's, get into it. And It's almost like what Southgate's done with the senior team, uh, senior players in the England team in that they are captains of their area. Yeah. Like there's a senior in defence, a senior in midfield and yeah. a senior up front to say, look, this is what you should be doing. Yeah. This is how it's done. And I think that, that like you say, yeah, that definitely seems to yeah. be happening at the moment. And it's really great to see players responding to the manager yeah. as well. You know, I mean, again, this is no disrespect to anybody, but when we went through the um, uh, Tony Elliott and... Um, Tommy Cassidy. Tommy Cassidy era, nobody really seemed to... 
they, they just weren't on board with whatever it was that he was trying to do because it sure as hell weren't football but whatever he was trying to do out there nobody was on board with there was a period of time where they were on board with it with Darren and then it just didn't quite work out and then Chris came in and it's, he strikes me as a bloke that just eats and sleeps and breeds football in a way that other people just haven't like we've had pre- managers previously that have been involved with football and have enjoyed the game but Chris just seems to be a hundred percent in a, at every opportunity in every angle wherever he can get in he's, he's there for yeah um, just bringing that bring it to that point then looking at it the managers that we've had previously have generally been players that have come out of the professional game Cassidy was a manager in the pro game for well he was manager in Greece for a while but he played in the pro game uh, Darren Williams played in the pro game for a lot of years do you think maybe that they've sort of been used to five days a week that they just want to wind it down a little bit whereas Chris is building towards something bigger as a career point that um, he's sort of he's coming to that and thinking right I'm giving it everything I would say yeah possibly for yeah Chris is kind of for him the only way is up because he's very yeah. much mm. worked his way up you know Whitby's the highest sort of rank club yeah. that he's managed mm. so anything he does here is a, almost an improvement yeah. on everything he's already done before so for him it's almost like you know whatever he does at this club is just an improvement yeah. on mm. what he's done before whereas if you're coming down from the professional game it's almost like, well, what do I want to achieve? Yeah. You know, what is I, it? I think sometimes as well, coming down from the pro game, they don't appreciate the struggles that there yes. are yeah, I would at agree this level. That. Yeah. Um, whereas Chris obviously has been at Gisborough, but started out as a Teesside League manager yeah. and then gone through that and yeah. gone into the Northern League with Gisborough, worked, you know, worked at Bishop Auckland under Peter Mulcaster, mm. and then obviously he's come to Whitby. He appreciates what the struggles are at this level mm. and knows how to deal with those struggles, whereas someone coming down down over isn't necessarily going to appreciate that unless they've played a few years at this level which I don't think I think Darren played about six months at this level then yeah, appointed and appointed manager became wasn't manager, he, so. yeah. I mean not to there's an, a sort of a, an analogy that you can draw with that I remember listening to a, a, I think it was a Joe Rogan interview with Stephen Tyler of Aerosmith and he and um, his lead guitarist, whose name completely escapes me for this moment in time, they, they were in throughout the eighties, the late seventies and early eighties. They were known as the Toxic Twins for their inhumane amount of noxious substances that they'd put into their bodies. And I remember him talking to, to Joe Rogan, and the question he basically asked him was, you know, why did you do that? And you think, well, he said the reason is that when you go out on stage and you perform these songs to 50,000 people, you walk off stage again, playing ping pong in the back isn't exactly the same <laughs> feeling. And it's, it's, you've got to wonder whether it's that kind of thing that yeah. once you've, you've been at the pinnacle and you've played at Old Trafford and what have you, taking that step down, you just think it doesn't quite have the yeah. same shine to it. I could be completely wrong at that, but with Chris, it seems because he's working his way up, it's like to... I want to say it's promotion, but not in the, the sense of a league promotion. But it's it's up and up and up yeah. and up and up. Whereas it's you know you go from, especially with the Premier League and and Championship, I would say as well. Unless you've got something really solid lined up afterwards yeah. to go into TV work or anything like that, you're pretty much looking through the classified section, looking for a job almost three days after your professional contract yeah. has been finished. I think the biggest compliment I can give to Chris is the way he's level-headed mm. and by that the days are gone now mm. with the generation that have come through and that are playing football at our club that you can walk in a dressing room slaughter them and then expect to get results from them them days are gone yeah. people used to be scared of the manager that made them perform and that was kind of how football continued for a long time I want to use a better word but the millennials of of this age they respond more to being challenged uh, also like not just physically challenged but mentally challenged mm. can you give me more can you do this and that's what Chris is often I've come off as a supporter and I've seen us get beat and I want to hear teacups being thrown I want to hear but they don't respond to that anymore no, no. and what he does well is um, as you see with the aftermath interviews with Liam and I know you do them Lee and Paul quite often is that win lose or draw he gives us the positives he tells us the negatives and he does it in a calm manner and and that's what's achieving the results that he's brought to the club I feel well it's that shift in, in player power now isn't it once upon a time uh, uh, as much as I don't like Man United and I'm sure Dice will probably kill me for this next time he sees me but the hairdryer treatment was the thing that motivated that Man United yeah. team to be the team that they were there was no denying I mean Fergie was a, a tactical genius as was his ability to be able to squeeze 14 minutes of extra time out of any given game but 
he, he motivated those players by basically screaming at them until he kicked a boot at Beckham and he left and then it kind of went. But now the players are so much more in control of everything that's going on that if they don't like the way that something is going, they just stop playing. Even and our level. Result, Yeah, once results start to go, then people, you know, that they, like you, you look at manager, managers like Pep Guardiola of Man City and Klopp at Liverpool, they're brilliant man motivators but aren't necessarily, I mean... Klopp can be alarmingly fiery when he's on the on the touchline, but you just get the feeling that he knows what he wants from his players and he gets it to them by training them and telling them what he wants them to do, rather than coming off after 90 minutes and going, that was absolute crap, why the bloody hell weren't you doing, you need a new game, you know, and, and I, you get that from Chris, you just think, he, he, he looks across the game for the full 90 minutes and says, right, the reason why this didn't work is because you weren't here, you need to do this, pull back in more, play that ball over there. And it, it's it's the calm and level-headedness that does it as opposed to screaming at people because then they just stop playing. You just think, why? And, you know, I'm getting paid at the end of the day whether I'm here or whether I'm not. If I don't play, it makes no difference to me. If the club starts failing, it's going to be pinned on the manager and he's the one that's going to go. The next person that comes in may be better, may be worse, and we'll just do the same thing over again. And the thing with us, the opportunities for the <coughs> players now in the Northern League yeah. um, and with travel obviously how good it is now it's not too far to go to the clubs they're always going to get snapped up so mm. if you don't treat them right they will say right I'll go and play for Shildon I'll go and play yeah. for West Auckland yeah. and unfortunately we have lost a couple of players because of the money factor so with Chris he treats the players right gets his point across when he has to mm. but if he does it in a fair manner which I'm confident that he is doing that's how we're going to get the pinnacle yeah. of what we can be and you mentioned that point there about Chris Players always want to come back to play for him. Players that have left the football club yep. want to come back Don't and play for him. Don't burn your bridges. Exactly. So I think he's very, well, we know he's very well respected within this football club, within, you know, within the North East football scene, and I would say within the division as well. Um, he often gets more respect uh, from higher teams in the yeah. area than, unfortunately, sometimes our own support yeah. uh, give him. He's really well liked within the yeah. leagues, isn't he? Certainly is, yeah. yeah. You, you mentioned, I think... He needs a lot of credit as well after last season, obviously being disappointing for us. I know some fans were starting to turn, but the way he's just calmly got the club back together over the summer, had a good window, and it's just, yeah. you know, this season is more of a you know, consolidation up and mid-table is where we're aiming at, at the moment, and then, you know, chance to push on next season. Yeah, but it was, it was that question that you posed when they, Paul, when they started saying we need a new manager. Who? Exactly. Who's going to replace him? He's done the best job that any manager in the 10 years that I've been coming here has, has managed to achieve. Yeah. We've had so many great escapes and so many years of lower to mid-table, and mediocrity is not the, the, the right word, but we've just sort of been mid-table, yeah, yeah, bumbling along, bang average. Chris comes in, we have a season where he rescues us, the next season we're in the playoffs, the season after that isn't so great, why are we immediately calling for his head at that point and who do you replace him yeah. with? Because there comes a point where you just have to start believing in somebody and what it is that they're trying to do is the best thing for this yeah. football club and there's literally nothing in the last three years that I've seen that tells me anything other than all he wants for this football club is nothing but the best it's definitely not like the professional game where you know if you sack a manager someone's rating in the wings you know if you mm. if say if you, you know if you sack a manager at this level you're looking for someone that's in the area yeah. that isn't out of a job you know that because otherwise it's just going to you can't physically replace them. Who, who's got the biggest black book with all the names in that yeah. they can, you know, they can bring swathes of players in in needs of desperation? But absolutely, yeah. So uh, I think we'll wrap that one up there. But uh, yeah, I think that's uh, not too bad for a first go, gents. I think we'll uh, look back on this one fondly and hopefully look back on it in about a year's time, yeah. having done a lot more and be thinking. God, that was crap. It was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have all have actually done some research. <laughs> Just as we're heading into the playoffs in yeah, 12 exactly. months' time, we can exactly, look back yeah. and yeah. see where we were. Yeah. We'll be, yeah, we'll thanks for inviting us, Paul. Yeah, no Off problem. Top spot, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Calm I feel down, as though we should also say thank you for Turnbull's Bar for hosting us for this uh, recording of this inaugural uh, yes, Extra Time podcast. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll be back at some point. We'll, uh, we'll get this one out. You'll be able to listen to it and... Uh, We'll see where we go. We'll see what the feedback does and hopefully we'll be back next week. Yeah, fingers crossed. We'll have some sort of settle for it. <laughs> Brilliant. So, yep. Anyway, thank you, Liam. Thank you, Mike. And thank you, producer Lee, as well. Pleasure. And thank you to you listening at home. And, yeah, we'll hopefully see you soon. <laughs>